If we are saved by faith, do good works not matter then? That's the question we're discussing today on the Hear the Story presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you explore the big story and big truths of Scripture. I'm Brian DeBozik, and with me is Aaron Armstrong. Aaron, this episode is kind of a companion to our last episode. So if somebody's listening and, and maybe did not listen to the last one, you might want to pause this one and go back and listen to that one first. It, it will add some clarity to what we're talking about today. We probably will reference the last episode or the content at least some. Oh, almost certainly. Yeah, this is uh, this is kind of part two of a mini series, really, uh, because last week we talked about justification by faith. And this week we are talking about uh, the relationship between justification and works. And yeah. And so, so yeah, Aaron, this is um, this is a, a doctrine that if you look at quickly can be a little bit confusing if you see justification and works together and think, wait a minute, I thought justification was by faith, but notice that difference of, of uh, wording is really important, by versus and. And so what we're going to look at today is that justification and works, while justification is not by works, works have a role to play, and we're going to be looking at that. So why don't you go ahead and, and read the doctrine uh, and as you normally do, and then summarize it, we'll look at some passages and really kind of take some time and, and uh, interact with this really important uh, issue here that we're going to be talking about, the role of works in our salvation. Yeah, that sounds great. So when we talk about justification and works, um, again, we're talking about the relationship between the two. So justification is not the result of human effort or good works, but through faith in the righteousness of Christ. Although good works do not lead to justification, justification leads to good works in the life of a believer. Faith without works is dead, as James 2.17 says. So while good works do not establish justification, they do verify a genuine faith and make our justification evident to others. So um, a lot of multi, multi-syllable words within <laughs> that explanation, but... To, to make it simple for you and me, Brian, um, what, this, what this is saying is that we are justified by faith and our works flow from yeah. that. Yeah, I think if we could illustrate this, I think, you know, if you imagine a piece of paper with a timeline, with a dot in the middle of that timeline, and that dot is the moment of salvation, to the left of that leading into it, you could put an arrow pointing toward that dot with faith. That faith is what leads into salvation. And then on the right side of that dot, coming out of it with an arrow moving, continuing to the right, would be a dot that has faith and works, because faith still matter in our relationship with Christ, of course. We live Mm -hmm. by faith, but works then are produced. So faith on both sides, but works just on the side in salvation, I think could be a way people can start kind of visualizing this that might be helpful. Yeah. So, so yeah. let's look at let's look at a few uh, scriptures where we see this doctrine. And again, we might see some verses that emphasize both aspects that um, salvation or justification rather is by work or by faith alone. But then we're going to also see some with works. Yes, definitely. Um, so we're going to start with Ephesians, going back to Ephesians two. So in our last uh, our last episode where we talked about justification by faith, um, we 
camped out on verses eight and nine. And so I'm going to start there again, and but then I'm going to continue on to verse 10 because that shows how the two work together. So, uh, for you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So here we're seeing we are justified by faith, but our justification is for a specific purpose. It is to do the work that God has prepared for us to do. So he has a specific calling in mind for each person that comes to faith in Christ, and he expects us to carry that out and empowers, equips us to do that. So that is is one key one here. Um, here is the the oft pointed to um, attempt to create a contradiction between <laughs> justification by faith and justification in works, and to say that the Bible can't possibly be true because it has contradictions. Which is James two seventeen, which says in the same way, uh, in the same way, faith if it does not have works is dead by itself. Um, so taken just on its own, like we've just done, and out of context of anything else, um, yeah, you can make the argument there. The problem is, is of course, the Bible. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and it's helpful, and again, because this, again, is saying that works are necessary because works prove that our faith actually exists. Which is the context of James, which is often missed. Yeah. Exactly. And as a side note, something that's really helpful to know is uh, note about James is you think about the structure. You you think about basically what's happening in the um, in the New Testament epistles. James is wisdom literature more so than it is anything else. It is it's essentially the proverbs, but yeah. through the lens of the gospel. So. Um, so that's just a, that's just a pro tip for how to read James, um, and it makes it make so much more sense. Um, just like how Hebrews is basically a commentary on on Leviticus. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, anyway, so so there's uh, these those are my those are my fun little random, random <laughs> sides for for at least this particular well, passage. Thank you for those asides. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think uh, the next passage that. Um, helps us illustrate this this requirement of works. And again, I, I like what you said a minute ago, Aaron, with um, Ephesians, that those works are expected. Uh, Ephesians 2.10 tells us that clearly. They're, it's not icing on the cake. It's not above and beyond. There's this expectation. And Matthew 25, 31 through 46, I think is a really important passage to affirm this as well. This is Jesus talking, and, and I'm going to read it. It's a little bit long. Usually you read the long ones. I'm going to read this one. Um, because when you read this, and again, in isolation, if you don't understand what's going on here, you could conclude that Jesus has terrible theology here. Because it almost sounds like he's saying salvation is by works. But, mm -hmm. but it really, this passage supports what you just talked about in Ephesians 2.10, that the, the expectation that Jesus has is that true faith must lead to works. It will reveal itself in works. So this is what he says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another, just as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep, which represents the regenerate, on his right and the goats, the unregenerate, on his left. 
Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And here's why. So this verse 35 starts with four. So here's the reason why you are a sheep. Here's the reason why you are welcome into the kingdom. And what follows in 35 is not for you placed faith in me. He says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. You took me in. I was naked. You clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison. You visited me. Then the righteous will answer verse 37 and they repeat all that back just for time. When did we do this? Verse 40, the king will answer them, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he also said to those on his left, the goats, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels, for I was hungry. And he repeats the same, uh, same yep. series, and you didn't do these things. They respond, when, when did this happen? Same thing, whenever you didn't do it for me. Um, and then 46, and then they will go into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So you look at this, and again, that repetition, I think, is important. You, you have that mm-hmm. long, I just, I didn't read it because of time on our podcast, but um, that repetition, it's drawing, that there's a focus on this, these activities, and it should cause our concern antenna to go up as we're reading this. Wait a minute, is Jesus really saying that salvation is marked by what a person does? and or not does it seems on the surface that's what he's saying but again filtered this through ephesians 2 10 the book of james of course both those come after uh, but filter that through our understanding and it's clear what jesus is saying here is here's how you will know who is saved and he spoke about this in other places you'll know uh, a tree by its fruit yeah so what he's saying is the fruit that we will see is Activity, behavior works, and it's not an option. It's a requirement. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, and that, that really takes us into um, what are, what are some helpful guide, guidelines for understanding this doctrine? What are some cautions? What are some encouragements that are there? Um, you know, and we've talked about some of these already as well, but um, just so some of this is going to be a little bit recap. Yeah. But um, just as, a, as, you know, reminder number one, um, you have heard it said that Paul and James are in conflict, and they are not. Um, again, Romans looks for, so think about Romans, for example, which is kind of the, the hallmark crown jewel of the explanation of justification by faith. And, and, um, and Romans is, yeah. some people will look at Romans and James, point to those books specifically and say, here are two books yes. in contrast or conflict with one another. Here's yes. two books that we have a, an apparent or clear is the argument that's made contradiction. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, but here's what you need to, need to recognize. The way that Romans is structured, Romans is looking forward into salvation, particularly in the first several chapters, i.e. the first, you know, 10, 11 of them and then goes into the practical after that but um and so it's it's dealing with justification by faith and james is looking backward within salvation and seeing works as the fruit of justification as the evidence of justification again saying if you say you have faith prove it Show it in how you live. 
Live the way that Christ has said you are to live. In other words, be who you are. Yeah. Be who you say you are. Because we will be known by our fruit. And if we are and if there is and if there is nothing there, then there then it calls into question the validity of our profession of faith. Yeah, and that's the point James w- was making very strongly and very well. Um, it has often been said, Aaron, you may have heard this, that um, James and Paul don't have to be reconciled because friends don't need to be reconciled. Yes. There is no tension. You don't have to reconcile these two. There is no conflict. There's no contradiction. Again, I think as you see it, they're just looking at different perspectives of the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so James, you know, I think it's so helpful as we, as we, and we're getting ahead of ourselves, as we talk about, you know, discipling people to difference, we need to be teaching both the truth of, of Romans and James, both matter. Yeah. Um, yes. and, and that kind of takes me to the next caution or, or note. And it's, again, works are not optional. We said this before. Um, we can't see his works as icing on the cake or what the spiritual elite do. Um, this is not just a measure for the really mature, you know, the, the cream of the crop. This is the expectation for all believers. Now, it will progress. A brand new believer, I mean, literally nanoseconds old, seconds old, minutes old, um, you won't be able to look and see very much fruit there because they just trusted in Christ. And even mm-hmm. that new believer who has just started walking with Christ as, as he or she is learning, you should see some work, some fruit, but it'll be probably small and, and, and a little bit rough at times. But you look at a longer track record, and that believer should be demonstrating more fruit uh, as they mature. So um, while we have to be careful about understanding growth, the expectation is that works will be there. Right. And that's, and I, I really appreciate the way that you put that, that it's like, uh, because I, I think it's very important that, um, I mean, we take, we take a profession of faith as genuine unless we see otherwise. And we'll get to, we'll get to that in a, in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but when it comes to a new believer, we need to be, um, one, we need to be very encouraging and two, we need to also be very cautious um, because, I mean, as we see with the different kinds of soil that 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 Jesus talked about in one of his in the in one of his parables, that um, that there there is a type of soil in which the you know the seed that is that is sown and and scattered it shoots up very quickly and seems like it's healthy, but it gets scorched by the scorched by the sun and burns out. Yeah. So it doesn't have it doesn't have roots. It doesn't have legs to it because it's in very shallow soil. So there might be a shallow kind of fruit that we see initially with some, but that may not be true. And so, um, I mean, I love the I love the way that it's that it's put in um, really in the title of a Eugene Peterson book and and unpacked all throughout uh, this idea of a long obedience in the same mm-hmm. direction, and that's ultimately what we're looking toward. That's a, yeah, Aaron, for. Aaron, that's a really good word because, yeah, you could have a, a new believer, let's say within a first year, let's say somebody comes, trusts in Christ and in the first year, two people side by side, and one, you see some level of fruit, but the other one, it's harder to see. The one that's harder to see might be the genuine believer. It's just taking longer for it to develop. The other one might be that shallow soil you're talking about. So yeah, I think great care 
is required here. And it, and it, it affirms why we need to see discipleship as relationship. You know, to have relationship, to have ongoing relationships, to be able to uh, know people more um, and, and to speak with them in love um, over the long haul. I think that, you know, that's the model of discipleship that, that God has established for the church. So um, one other note here, um, and then we'll move on to the differences, that good works alone do not confirm salvation. Kind of a little bit more of what we're talking about. Um, unregenerate people can do good things, but their motive is wrong. I've got a really good friend who is one of the most moral people I know, but he's, he's not a believer. Um, so the absence of good works uh, does seem to confirm salvation has not come, as we just talked about. We've got to be a little bit careful there. If, if you're not seeing good works for a brand new believer, again, we have to have a little bit of a caveat. Um, Long term, I think it's safe to say if you see no good works over years, for example, then I think it's a little bit stronger to say that person probably isn't a Christian. I'd still have a little bit of gentleness there. But, um, but the presence of good works alone does not require that that person is, is saved. So let's talk about a couple of differences this doctrine should make. What do you, what do you have in mind first, Aaron? Yeah, well, there's a there's a couple of things here. So one of them is is that um, as we as we look at this this relationship between justification and works, um, we really need this because it helps us to it helps inspire a desire to have a fuller understanding of salvation. So what we don't want to have is we don't want to have a, a very flat understanding of uh, of salvation as if it were something like fire insurance. And so we've heard yeah. that that kind of statement. Um, you know, we've we've had the you know the 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 whole idea that basically salvation is just being is just being saved from wrath and hell. Yeah. Um, and that therefore we're free to live however we want. That's the whole argument that James is making in in his epistle that we can't do that but yeah correct that's that's what i'm saying he's arguing against that yeah, yeah so um uh what we need is a full understanding of salvation how how justification leads to a radical overhaul of how we live that that essentially um what we what we believe changes how what we love which then leads to which changes how we live so we need all of those three things to happen and so this is why we this is why um you know you'll hear motifs like head heart and hands and that's something that we use in uh in the gospel project actually a fair bit and and increasingly so um and the reason that we do that is is because we want those things to be to be evident because what we what we know about god should change how we love change our change and affect our love for god ultimately increasing our love for god which then therefore changes how we live um along with that there's this idea of um Again, it's a little bit of a, a Christian cliche, but I'm going to use it anyway because it's okay. This is a safe place on our That's right. podcast. Um, <laughs> but uh, this idea of essentially being fruit inspectors. And so we we have permission by God, by God's word, to examine ourselves and others, 
to see what is to to look for indicators of what is going on not just what we what we say but what do we actually practice does our does our profession of faith match uh match the way that we practice it and if they don't then we have to be then we have to ask why we start with ourselves yeah we always start with ourselves um because we we are supposed to judge ourselves with right judgment and we are supposed to open ourselves up and invite that in from others um so we but we need to be asking are we demonstrating the works of righteousness are we demonstrating the fruits of the spirit are those things evident and if not why not and if ultimately if they're not there then we need to repent and believe i think i would um i would just take one thing you said and i would amp it up a notch i would take it from 10 to 11. Um, and it would be, you know, we're not just invited to this. We need to do this. We've been called to do this out of love. Um, Mm -hmm. and you said, and I think you, you came in, you, you implied this after this, um, that we need to do it with ourselves, but we need to do it with others as well. I think sometimes the concern here, Aaron, is, is some people misunderstand what Jesus taught in, in, in Matthew seven. It's the famous hammer that people use wrongly. Don't judge lest you be judged. I think that's the King James version I learned as a kid. Um, that this idea where he says, you know, we're not supposed to judge, and that verse alone, I think it's the, uh, the you know, verse one of that chapter, is used and then it stopped. No, nobody keeps going. And they'll say that, they'll use that to say, no, Aaron, you, Brian, you guys should not judge another believer because you're violating Matthew 7 1. That's not what Jesus intended. If you keep reading, and you, you just drew this out, Aaron, he says, first, you need to inspect yourself. Look at your, you know, you're looking at the, uh, a speck in somebody else's eye. Look at something in your own. Look for something in, in your eye first so you can see clearly. But then he does say you, you, do, you take care of your own eye so that you can help your brother out. So what Jesus has in mind there is hypocritical judging. He has in mind there a judging that does not have the heart for another person that is coming from the wrong posture. It's the way we judge. So what we have been called to do, and he ends that again with saying, you need to look at your brother and help him with what's in his eye. Yeah. So for us, when we, you know, it's not just, it's unloving for us not to be looking at one another and, and living with one another in a way that says, man, Aaron, I, I'm not seeing righteousness in your life. I, I'm seeing unrighteousness in how you're responding to these events in our culture, for example, or the way you're tweeting or whatever. Love is demands that I speak into that, but I do it in a humble, gracious way that I've, I've taken, as you said, I, I look at myself first. Is there hypocrisy? How am I tweeting? But then also that I have your best in mind, that I'm not there to put you down and put you in your place. I'm there to lift you up. And help you. And, and that's the formula God has created for the church that ideally in that context, Aaron, you would respond and say, man, you're right. Thank you for pointing this out. I, I, I want to be the right uh, a witness to a watching world on my Twitter account. Um, and, and so that is what's in mind here as we inspect one another's fruit in love. Hey, let's let's call it there. I think we've we've kind of exhausted this topic um, enough, and and I appreciate kind of you talking through this, and and hopefully it's been helpful uh, to understand that relationship between justification by faith 
and justification and works. So thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you have enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.